0: Well, his story is the movie Rudy on steroids. We're all looking for a pick me up. My guest is the recipe to make that happen. Gerald Smith II, formerly of the UCLA basketball team, joins us. He's always got his game face on. Gerald, thanks for doing this. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Gerald is on Twitter, Gerald H. Timms. I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. This is a, a podcast where we try to allow people to forget about the pandemic, bring in some Bruin nostalgia, bring on some legends and some great storytelling sessions. And we've got a great one for you today. A story with Gerald that it really is a Hollywood script ready to happen. And what I see through all of this so far on your end, Gerald is your level of persistence. Why has it been, so important for you to be rebellious to people that have come across your life who have told you no?
1: Yeah. um, Well, I would say for me, um, it's a a bit less about rebellion. Obviously, everything that I do, I move with the utmost respect and courtesy. But at the same time, um, for me, no opportunity can ever go wasted. Um, An opportunity wasted is one that, you know, not taken advantage of. And I, I feel like I am doing myself a disservice if I allow myself not to take advantage of the opportunities that I'm given.
0: So let's get into those opportunities. And you have always wanted the opportunity to play for the UCLA men's basketball program, a program just riddled with lore and how prestigious it is. And your path to getting there was certainly not Conventional, you know that. It was a different route, and that goes to the creativity of you and finding other ways to see your dreams and your goals come through. What was that route for you that enabled you to eventually get on the roster at UCLA, on the men's team, and then get a scholarship?
1: Yeah. Um, So for me, um, when I was in high school, I was a decently recruited point guard, shooting guard combo Um, I had a couple of mid-major schools that were looking at me, um, but something that my parents always instilled in me from a young age was taking advantage of my opportunities education-wise. And UCLA, obviously being the academic powerhouse that it is, was one of the best academic institutions that I got into um, out West. And I decided, you know, although I loved playing basketball, I felt like my education was going to take me a bit farther than basketball might have. And uh, lo and behold, it ended up allowing me to do both. But um, so when I first started on campus as a freshman, a really good friend of mine, Easy Money Harper, who was a sophomore at the time at UCLA, um, introduced me to Wendell Farrow, who was the uh, video director for the women's basketball team. Um, and uh, Easy actually passed away while we were at UCLA. But I was telling Wendell how I you know, wanted nothing more than to be a part of the UCLA basketball program. And at the time when I met Wendell, I, he was like, yeah, you know, we have this opportunity to play on the the practice squad, the scout team, you know, you come out, you give it your all and, you know, maybe you'll get a a roster spot. And I was like, cool. So I'd show up the first day and lo and behold, it's the practice squad for the women's team. Um, And I I ended up being a women's practice player for uh, that first year of college. And he kind of, I ended up being a a women's scout team player that first year of college. And uh, he kept his promise to me to where it was like, um, if I ended up giving him my all for that year, that I would be able to make the, women's, the men's team. And when it came down to it, that's how it ended up happening.
0: Persistence. And you knowing that if you were to get that opportunity, it would not be a stretch because you had already known on the men's side the plays they were running. You yeah. had developed relationships with the coaches as well. And I'm sure when Steve Alford would walk by and you're coaching with the women, maybe you hold that finish a little bit when you swish that three, and just kind of show them, hey man, you know, don't forget about me.
1: Yeah. Um, So the the men's coaches would watch a a decent number of the the women's practices, Um, but if you talk to Coach Broussard, who was an assistant coach at the time, who kind of helped me get onto the team, um, I used to ride this little Razor scooter around campus to and from classes, and I would sit. Uh, on the sidelines of the men's practices after the women's practices and just, you know, watch and learn the plays and, you know, figure out, you know, the opposition's plays and find different ways that I could be helpful if ever given the opportunity.
0: That opportunity came, and I remember reading that great article. And if you haven't, any of the listeners or viewers have not checked out the article by Sports Illustrated on Gerald Smith, please do that. You will love it. And in that article... My bio,
1: too, if anybody needs to. That's right.
0: Yeah, on your Instagram, your your Twitter, and you've got your website too, right? What's the uh, web address so people can check out your website as well?
1: Uh, it's just GeraldSmithTheSecond.com. So that's J-E-R-R-O-L-D-S-M-I-T-H-I-I.com.
0: So that is another avenue to look at what he's doing. We're going to ask him as well about some of his creative juices and how they're being used now. now that basketball is done for you and how you're still utilizing that in your next career. But – you had that wonderful impression that you'd given off from Coach Broussard from that article when when he said that you were the most persistent person <laughs> he has ever met. And there's a story that I instantly thought of, Gerald, when I hear that quote from Coach Broussard, and that was from the former UCLA offensive coordinator on the football team, Jed Fish, who was right out of college and was looking to break into the business as a coach, and he was down in Florida – looking for that entry-level position. And at the time, Steve Spruyer was the head coach. And basically, Jed kept saying, I want to get in. And they kept saying, uh, good luck, kid. No way you're going to be part of this program at any level of, of being a coach. And that never deterred him. And he ended up using these little sticky notes and finding out where the head coach was parking every day. Put <laughs> one on every single day. Must have drove Steve Spruyer insane. But Absolutely. at that point what can't you do but give him that opportunity so that led to now where he is which is on the LA Rams on their staff last time I checked but there's just so much parallels for you then as well and Gerald there's also the fact that yeah you were a walk-on when you started on UCLA but you seem to be really loving that role And, and not that walk-ons don't love that role but I think sometimes they don't get appreciated like they should be you felt like you could make an impact as a walk-on that I don't think a lot of other walk-ons that have ever played the game feel like they can how did you contribute to that team even if it it wasn't just the stats or the wins and the losses necessarily because I feel the cohesion that you brought and all of that did wonders for the program
1: Yeah, um, I think for me, it was kind of sort of about embracing the role that I was handed and figuring out, you know, how to best do that. And then hopefully it'll blossom into something else at the end of the day, which it did. Um, One of the initial conversations that I had with Coach Broussard before I joined um, was him telling me like, hey, you know, we have this opportunity for you, but, you know, it's not going to be some sort of sexy opportunity. You're not going to be playing 10, 15 minutes a game. You probably won't play, if at all. Um, and so I really took the time to embrace my role, uh, starting in practice and making sure that I was giving 150 percent every day to make myself better. Um, so that the guys that I was playing against that were actually getting in games could you know, get better and hopefully lead us to some wins. Um, but I felt like, you know, as I mentioned, it was tough for me to when I wasn't on the basketball team to walk around campus and not be a part of something and I feel like a lot of guys get lost in the being the superstar and not taking the time to enjoy being on a team and you know everything that comes with you know being in the locker room um traveling during the season taking trips with your teammates and building those bonds that kind of forge the friendships that I'm fortunate enough to, to still be a part of today
0: much more to get to with former UCLA brewing Gerald Smith I will ask him if his UCLA career turned into a Hollywood movie what he would title the flick. That and so much more right after this. The the level, and you've been open about this, the level of, of rejection that you've had to deal with, not just in your pursuit of being on the UCLA men's basketball team and, and what an honor that is, but also as you sift through the world of entertainment and begin to get your foothold there. For those that have a hard time dealing with rejection, and I think everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, it, it, it affects people. I mean, come yeah. on, we all do. We all do. We're all sensitive to one extent or another, but you show over and over again that you are battle tested. And what can those people that have a hard time with rejection learn from you and how you, despite those roadblocks, find a way? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I hope first and foremost, it's a, a testament to how they look at me um, not just before, but going forward. Um, I never like to let an opportunity go to waste. Um, but I feel personally that I've always been a bit hard-headed. Um, it's kind of ironic that uh, me and my parents were just sifting through like a bunch of old boxes of VHS tapes of me as a kid last night as we're here in quarantine and looking for stuff to do. Um, we were just watching videos of me as a kid and they would tell me no or not to do something. And I just continued to to do it, even though they'd tell me no, and that's kind of something that just stuck with me. My parents would call it hardheadedness. I'd call it perseverance, um, and just you know figuring out ways to you know make what I would like to see for happen for myself um, happen in the the grimmest of situations and the best of situations. Just making sure that you know that you know you're the only person that can make or not make something happen for you, and that's something that I've kind of you know held close to the heart throughout my entire life.
0: You're listening to Gerald Smith, the second formerly on the UCLA basketball team, and you've waded through all of the rejection. I can't even imagine how many times you've heard. No. Mm. And like you said, it will happen again, but that doesn't mean you won't get to where you want to get to. And that's what I love a lot about you is that no in a way in how you found your career happened means go because you always find a way around it. And you think about inspiring sports movies, Rudy comes to mind, although I think that movie was produced back in the 1600s. I would love to see your story because on a on a grand platform like a blockbuster hit, I think it would be a blockbuster hit because there is that millennialness that's not a word, but let's go with it, of your story. And it, it has some parallels, I guess, in a way to Rudy, but – if you were to title your life as a movie or what you've done from no, you know nobody that thought you would make the UCLA men's basketball team to you doing that, just in that capsule, what would you title that movie of your life or that part of your life?
1: Um, I always like to think of things as more of like a... It's about the journey, not the destination. And uh, rapper Nipsey Hussle always used to say, like, it's the marathon, not a sprint. And so I think that it is important to consider um, all things, like what led up to it, um, you know, kind of my experience during that time. And and I feel like the story is a bit unwritten as far as like where I'll end up. Like obviously I'm still early in my entertainment career trying to figure things out. Um, but something that I've kind of kicked around in the past is something like a long walk or the walk of life Um, obviously the word walk being thrown in there because of me having been a walk on, Um, but, you know, kind of embracing the journey of everything and not just, you know, making it like a singular story, you know, like it's, it's about the journey. It's about where you start, um, where the journey takes you, not necessarily where you finish.
0: And now as you, walk into the next chapter of your life outside of basketball and becoming a a star in the entertainment game you are i would say a self-proclaimed influencer and you are i mean but that that but that that holds a lot of value with you i mean first of all your story Plus I'm like, dude, this guy's got a whole lot of followers on Instagram. He's got 20,000 and it's not going to be long before he doubles that and gets into the hundreds of thousands. Just, just wait. We heard it. You heard it here first (laughs) on the podcast. So that's going to happen. But like you said, you don't know what's in your future. You know what you want to do or where the, the different talents you have and how you want to utilize them. But where does this story go next for you?
1: Um, I personally, I love working um, within like the branded space of things. I love using certain platforms, whether it be my own or those of other influencers, talent uh, brands to kind of, you know, elevate stories of hope, stories of perseverance, not just mine, but you know, anything that, you know, could be worth reading, watching, hearing about around the world. Um, I really love what Nike and adidas do in that space as far as you know meshing sports and entertainment and partnering with talent to be able to use not just the brand's platform but the talent's platform to kind of you know just elevate the entire story completely um so i'd want to do something kind of in that space um whether it be you know kind of staying adjacent to basketball and sports but you know kind of working within the the branding side of things whether it be fashion or culture and figuring out different ways to work with talent to just elevate you know the story
0: of it all you are part of the talent that. Took part in the basketball tournament. What year was that? A couple of years ago? The, yeah, the Sons so was, of Westwood. Uh,
1: 2018 and 2019. I was fortunate enough to play. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to do this year, but any future years, I'll definitely be a part of it. I guarantee that.
0: So you had a, a whole lot of notable names that were on that roster for the basketball tournament. And what was it like to be be around those guys again and to represent UCLA and get that opportunity and, and that stage?
1: Yeah. Um, it was great. I mean, for me personally, it's always great. Um, I still play basketball uh albeit not professionally, at least three to four times a week. Um, but it's great to be around those guys that are most of them still playing professionally, whether that be like the G League or overseas or respectively with some other club. And uh, for me, it was great to be around the competition of it all. Again, it's great to see so many familiar faces and reconnect with so many people. And I, and even some that weren't there when I was there, um, and kind of meet new people, make new friends. Um, but it, it was amazing. It's an experience like no other. It's probably the closest thing that I can equate to, um, the NCAA tournament, in my experience, obviously, because I have no NBA experience, I would imagine that NBA playoffs and championships obviously outweigh all of that. Um, but it's it just an amazing experience to be a part of. And for me, um, to still be considered amongst the group that can run with those guys, is, it's, I love it. I love it.
0: And what I love is also, and Gerald Smith II is joining us, follow him on Twitter at Gerald h tims is that it seems that there's a fraternity within ucla basketball like it doesn't matter whether you were the the guy that led the team in scoring you you played 35 minutes a game or you got in in bits and pieces throughout the season everybody seems to latch on together and correct me if i'm wrong gerald but even after your eligibility gets exhausted, you guys come together and help each other, whether it's networking yeah. or influencing others and building up where you want to go in life if it's not necessarily attached to hoops and being a professional.
1: Yeah, quite often, actually. And I would say that's a, a big shout out, big testament to Doug Erickson, who does a great job of running the, the program over there still Um, but also it's kind of a testament to the type of guys that they recruit or allow to play for UCLA, you know. Um, We were all in practice together. We're all out there. Whether we played or not, we're all at games together. We're all putting our bodies on the line um, for the betterment of each other, some, you know, for the fun, some to create a career out of playing basketball. Um, So we all understand that, you know, we are all aimed to gain something from, you know, giving it our best for each other, um, and then at the same time, it's just a great group of guys, a great group of alumni um, that you know, are held in such high regard that, you know, you, you want to do nothing more than to look out for your brothers, whether you play with them or not, um, that went to UCLA just like you did.
0: We're putting the stop sign on the interview for just a moment. We will get back to it, but it's time for a break. Or how about a food break? I'm thinking about food at all times of the day. I think the quarantine has me eating more than normal, but I don't think I'm the only one in this situation. And I got to tell you, postmates is a great safe way to have food given to you by delivery so you don't have to worry about the whole social distancing thing going to the grocery store and worrying about all of that it's getting food non-contact delivery right to your home and i'm talking about burgers i'm talking about sushi or even stuff from walgreens or 7-eleven and for a limited time postmates is giving our listeners 100 of free delivery credit For your first seven days to start your free deliveries, download the app, the Postmates app, and use code LOCKEDON, all one word. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days, but you got to download the Postmates app. And with that said, let's get back to our interview. I can't wait to to see you guys. Once this whole quarantine thing lifts, I want to see you guys get back on the court. I would love to... To take in because there's got to be a whole lot of trash talking taking place or maybe maybe <laughs> not you necessarily or maybe but
1: it's but- probably uh most of it's probably gonna come from Tony Parker who <laughs> interviewed earlier this week um I'm sure you got a, a good amount of that on the interview too
0: so Tony Parker claims I think I heard him say he claims to be like top five in the world in Madden uh is is he really top five in the world in Madden I mean is I don't know about top five in Tony's world, probably. Um, I'll say
1: that I'm not the best Madden player, and I think the couple of times that we played, he did beat me. But I feel like that's not that's not something to hold your head too high on because I, I don't play video games that often anyway. Um, but, you know, he's, he's pretty decent. He's all right.
0: He says that that's one avenue where he likes to talk a lot of trash. He said that when he played Prince Ali – it was a a slaughter what's a fu- yeah what's a funny to to finish off this podcast gerald what's a funny parker story that you remember playing with him or or something maybe at practice or where you guys had a good chuckle or something
1: oh man um i feel like there's too many to name just sure. one um i i hate being put on the spot like this to where you have to like think of that one that really stands out um we can yeah we we can do
0: yeah whatever comes to mind and if it if something comes later do we can do another podcast
1: no yeah, yeah yeah I feel like um with Tony there's not like one moment that just stands out like obviously he talks a lot of trash but his personality is like so exuberant so uplifting like he's just a guy that you love being around whether that's just playing basketball or being around in general um I will say to my memory, some of the most fun times were in practices when, and not just one practice specifically, to where like you know Tony would just hit like three buckets in a row, and then he'd start going at Prince like you or you know talking about other people that haven't hit yeah. a bucket or something like that. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what what kind of example I could use because there's yeah. literally the range of what Tony would say is literally yeah. from here to a million. Um, but he he would never fail to let you hear it if he's doing something or if you weren't doing something. And that's just my most fond memory of being around Tony. And I still talk to him kind of often, and he's the same exact way as you saw. <laughs> the, the same exact guy. He doesn't – he never changes.
0: And apparently, don't play him in pickleball because he will beat you there. He is becoming a growing pickleball player. <laughs> which... Yeah, I was,
1: him, I was asking him what pickleball is because I've never seen him play pickleball. Um, but, I mean, if he, said, if he says he is, I, I got
0: to see it to believe it. <laughs> Yeah, talk is cheap. I, I can't. I would love to see a six foot nine Tony Parker playing pickleball, which basically <laughs> yeah. is like a smaller version of tennis with some paddleball influences in ping pong, and there's some other really interesting rules. But and then the funny thing here was that he's like, "Yeah, I, I play this old guy." Like in the interview with Tony, he's like, "Yeah, I play this old guy in pickleball." And then he says, "Well, he's not that old. He's in his fifties. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> but it's just the way he delivers what he says is, is is so funny and we'll uh, we'll have to
1: he's super uh, he's super animated and that's what you he love is. about Tony—is he's he's always full of life.
0: Well, you are too. Both of you are very uplifting, which is a, what we all need during these times to help people lift their spirits and give us some hope, give us some entertainment, always enjoy the chance to get into some brewing nostalgia when we don't have any sports, but we yeah. can relive your story which is Rudy on steroids and so I can't wait to see this thing become a a major motion picture you are inspiring so many and really just grateful to have you on as as this platform to to once again to put out your message and what you're all about thanks for doing this Gerald and let's do this again sometime
1: yeah for sure as soon as I get it done I'll send it your way and uh thank you so much for having me and big shout out to Um, everybody out there in the world and hope everybody's doing all right during all this quarantine craziness and stuff like that. you sure. Staying safe, uh, staying healthy with all your families and not driving each other too crazy. Like I'm (laughs) trying not to do with mine.
0: Oh my gosh. Follow Gerald on Instagram, on Twitter, and I'm on Twitter at Brian Fenley. We'll do this again. Gerald, thanks.
1: No problem.